lunch now. So if I speak really fast, you will know why. As I told one of my classes this week, all right, look, we got one more thing to do. I'm going to explain it. If you all get it, then we'll be done. And someone said, you're hungry, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I was. So uh, we're going to talk about something that might be a little uncomfortable today. And, and I'm not talking about politics, although uh, it is voting on Tuesday. So the only thing I'll say about that is uh, vote what scripture says, right? Vote biblically. And I think that's how you honor God first and foremost. Uh, no, we're going to talk about money, about finances. And I was, was curious what was out there as far as uh, why is talking about money so uncomfortable in a uh, 2015 article in Forbes, uh, it, it was cited that uh, part of our view in the United States about discussing money in public was because of the British. And I thought they were going way too far on this, but they said it's because of the British that uh, see talking about money as gauche. Now, I'm not British, so I had to look up the word gauche to know how to pronounce it and that the definition was that it was tacky. It's unsophisticated to talk about money in public. So uh, I'm not British, so we're going to do it. And... Uh, and look, you can talk about things with your family that you can't talk about in public. So, all right, family, here we go. We are continuing talking about the hard attitudes. Number six is that you would support the work financially. So we're going to talk about money, finances, biblically. So biblically, the word is stewardship. And it's this idea that what you have, you have been entrusted as a steward. That's not a word we use often. Uh, maybe it's cultural. It's probably another British phrase. Uh, but basically, it means something you are responsible to manage. You don't own it. You manage it on behalf of someone else. And so the finances you have, the resources you have, are someone else's that you have been entrusted with. Since church is not a spectator sport, we're to get involved. We're to get involved, get, and get to work. Last week, we talked about the importance of participating in the ministry. If you have not yet stepped up to serve, you still have an opportunity to do that. They won't say, no, you didn't talk to me last week. You didn't talk to me when we had, no. If you say, I want to help in some way, someone will find an opportunity 
for you to serve. And part of the reason I bring that up again is that just like supporting the ministry financially, you have a stewardship of your finances, but you also have a stewardship of the time you have been allotted. You want to manage that well also. And so another way in which we participate in the ministry is by committing our God-given resources with which we have been blessed. In Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, we read about the collection for Jerusalem. This was a voluntary agreement between the church in Corinth and other churches and how they would contribute to those in need back in Jerusalem. And it, so it was, it was the Gentile church that was collecting this for the, at this point, predominantly uh, Jewish church in Jerusalem. And so there's a, a lot of discussion in Paul's ministry uh, as he writes to the different churches. You actually find references to this collection. And it, it sounds strange that it comes up so much and we probably don't talk about it often enough. We talk about all the other things that Paul discusses. But one of the things Paul talks about the most is collecting for those in need and doing ministry with our finances. In 1 Corinthians 16.2, Paul writes this. He says, on the first day of every week, each of you should put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And so Paul's not asking. He's not pleading. It's very matter of fact. You guys are going to do this. And so since you're going to do it, just do it before I get there so we don't have to make a show of it. It doesn't have to be a process. It doesn't have to be uh, kind of the way Jesus talked about those that would go to the temple and give. And he compared two people. He compares the Pharisee who did it in this big elaborate way and then the, the, the older uh, widow who came in and gave such a small amount and he says, look, who gave more? She gave out of just a little bit, and so she gave more, right? And so it became a show for some people, and others it became an act of worship. A pastor friend of mine uh, says it this way. He says, you know, you don't have to tell mature believers to give. You don't have to ch tell mature believers to tithe. Now, because there's something they understand about supporting ministry financially that you don't have to teach it, they want to do it to be a part. Mature believers understand the biblical principles of sowing and harvesting. Paul kind of describes it this way. In his second letter to Corinth, he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So, uh, I don't know about you, we don't live in an agrarian society, so perhaps you're uncertain about some of this, maybe you don't have the garden in your back uh, backyard, but to sow means to plant, and harvesting is when you go out to collect the food. 
He says, if you're going to sow sparingly, you're going to reap or harvest sparingly. Verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. So the parallel, the connection between those. He says, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. There is a a correlation between uh, this spiritual maturity and the joy in which you take to give. Which does mean there's a, a growth as you mature in the faith, you also mature in your understanding of stewardship. So if I want to harvest tomatoes, I'm going to have to plan ahead. You realize it takes 60 to 100 days from when you plant a tomato plant before you actually get tomatoes you can collect. You got to plan ahead. So in Southern California, if you plant your tomatoes on March 1st, which I did check, that's when you're supposed to plant tomatoes. You may see tomatoes ready to be picked as early as April 30th. But if you don't plan ahead, so on April 30th, when I want to make some spaghetti, and I need to go out and gather my tomatoes, some of you I know are thinking it, Dude, just go to the grocery store. But I want, I want the homemade effect, okay? So I'm going to go out to my garden to get tomatoes. Unfortunately, I didn't plan ahead. So there is nothing to harvest because I didn't plant. The biblical principle is there's no harvest if there's no sowing. Now, don't misunderstand Paul. He's not saying if you give financially, you will receive an equal or greater return on your investment. This is not Paul's pyramid scheme. What Paul is talking about is an investment in something greater than your financial return. This is an investment in eternity, in something that lasts and something that matters. And so, why do we give? Well, we give out of the blessings we have been given. So, there you are, blessed. And what will you do out of that blessing? I realize we don't always think of ourselves as financially blessed. Especially when you put gas in your vehicle. Or buying things that you need, like at the grocery store. But when you consider the rest of the world, right, compared to so many other places, we are wealthy. So I looked it up. How wealthy are we? So the median income in the United States, household income is $70,000. Now, we live in Southern California. If you're not from here, maybe that, I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, 
So it's even higher in Southern California. But in the United States, the median income is $70,000. If you as an individual have an income of $60,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. So they talk about the top 1% a lot, don't they? You didn't know it might very well be you. Well, that's in the world. Compared to people in the rest of the world, we have an abundance. We have been so richly blessed financially. And so you understand that out of that blessing, out of that, those riches, how are you going to be a blessing to others? Jesus talking about this idea in the gospel of Luke, he says, fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is the blessing he desires for you. Verse 33 of chapter 12 says, sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your hearts be also. You see, the idea is that often we're either planning for a rainy day or we're not at all. He's saying, look, what really matters? There are a few ways to evaluate what you value, how you spend your time, your browser history, where you spend your money, right? These are things that you, you value. It used to be uh, that you would sit back and, and, and reflect on what was important. What is it that you value? Where do you want to put your, your time, your effort, and your money? And, and this might be the difference between uh, maybe giving a tithe of our income and giving out of the blessing of our wealth. The Old Testament command uh, was to tithe, right? That was a command to Israel that they were to tithe. That, that's just a fancy word that means 10%. But there's more than one time in the New Testament when Christians are told over and over again to be generous. It's not about tithe, pull out your calculator and figure out your 10%. In fact, they're told be generous. That's how you represent Christ. In Proverbs 3, 9, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. And there's this idea that, that the, the produce, what comes in, the first fruits, that might be that, that tie, that offering. But, but out of your wealth, I was thinking, well, what's the, the application? What does that look like uh, this summer in... Uh, uh, at Church in the Valley in Ontario, uh, as we were meeting outside in a park and our building was uh, being renovated, we were asked 
all right, so we've got this renovation that we need to try and get done, and we, we like to be able to pay for it all in a timely manner, and, and, and would you pray about giving toward this construction? Now, now, we could be legalistic and say, you got my 10%. You got the tithe. Why do you need more? Aren't you being responsible with what I've already given you? Or can you say, you know what? I've been so richly blessed. I could help with that too. And what a blessing it has been being in that building. And several of you got to be there for the 35th anniversary in the new building. Well, that happened not because people were faithful and giving out of their income. It was because people went, you know, I've been so blessed. Maybe I can give out of the wealth that I have been given. Why do we give? Out of gratitude. Because we have been so blessed. How would I want, not want to be a blessing to others? It is a joy to be able to contribute to the ministry of the church. It is a joy to be able to serve. It's a joy to be able to, to contribute and see God at work in the ministry of what the church is doing. There's a, a reason Paul said that uh, you're to give cheerfully. Uh, depending on the, the translation, uh, you've probably heard it said the word cheerful can be translated as hilarious. It, it means that, that you are so joyful about being able to contribute to the ministry that, that you do it almost hilariously, laughingly. One of my, uh, uh, one of my professors said that, that if someone came to him and, and he knew that when they, they went to contribute toward the offering on Sunday, if they did it begrudgingly, he told them, no, don't do it. And I said, you tell them, take their money back. He goes, that's what scripture says. If they can't do it joyfully, cheerfully, hilariously, they shouldn't be a part of it because this is worship. Now, that's serious. Uh, by the way, the problem then would be that, that their attitude isn't right, not that they just shouldn't give. Acts 20, 35, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in the way we must help the weak, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Giving is the blessing. Not just seeing, although you get to see what happens, but, but would, you, would you contribute towards something of, that was worthwhile even if you didn't know the outcome? Right? That when you trust the people you're giving toward, then you know that, that God's at work and you don't need to, to get all the details. I need a report. Tell me what happened. The other reason we give is because we don't need to be concerned about the, the outcome, taking care of our own needs because God promises to provide what we need, right? We don't have to make sure, well, I, I need to, I need to be first and foremost, I can't give, I need to, to hold it and keep on uh, like Scrooge McDuck. You guys know Scrooge McDuck? Am I aging myself? 
No? Okay. So, okay. Just want to be clear. You don't have to be stingy with what God has blessed you with. God promises to provide. That's part of the Lord's prayer. That Jesus said, the way you pray is, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. The reason why that's a part of the prayer is it's give us our daily bread, not our daily dessert, not our daily steak, not our daily uh, latte. It's just give us the thing that we need day in and day out. And then we'll trust you for that. So there's not a guarantee of all the wants, just needs. And so Jesus talking about that, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? And so it's this, this principle that, that, that you ought to plan. So you have a storehouse, right? You, you've saved up. But at some point, do you really need to build another storehouse to collect more stuff? We contribute to the ministry of the church because that is what we value. It's what we value. We give because we have been given. We have been richly given. And because of that, we give out of that generously. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The, the, the point is, is clear that our job is not to be about building a kingdom for ourselves. You realize that's the point. That it is about building a kingdom for God. And that what God has, has blessed us is not about us. It is about him. Our generosity is to be a reflection of the grace we have been given. What form did that grace take? God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God's grace was sacrificial. Our generosity then should reflect that sacrificial giving of our Lord. So, Because this is a heart attitude, this is not a tithing sermon. (laughs) I I realized that as I was going, uh, preparing uh, the last couple weeks for today. This is not a tithing sermon. 
right? I didn't get a note, hey, can you talk about giving because the giving is down or so. That wasn't the issue. This is very much about an attitude of gratitude. Sorry, that rhyme. That was not my intention. This is very much about saying, you know what? God has so blessed me. In what ways can I be a blessing to others? In what way can I invest myself into something that matters? Something that lasts into eternity. If uh, maybe you're new, either new to the church, new to the gospel, a new believer, then, then a lot of what we're talking about might sound new too. I, I didn't grow up in the church. I remember as a new Christian sitting down with my parents and having this discussion about this and, and they were really surprised. So you think you should actually give money at church? I think so, right? I, I think that's what I read in the Bible. And they didn't get it. I'll be honest, I didn't get it. It just seemed like something I was supposed to do. And it was only as I, I grew in the faith and understood more of what it meant to be a follower of Christ that I was able to really get the idea that because God has so blessed me, why would I not find ways to do it? And that did have to do with the investment, the stewardship of my time, the resources in which I had been blessed, and finances. So if you're kind of new to this, that's what I would encourage you to, to spend some time in prayer, that you would grow in understanding. And so I have some next steps for you today. First of all, that I would begin financially supporting the ministry of CIV. What does that look like? If you're uncertain of what that looks like or how to do that, I would encourage you. Uh, talk to uh, someone on the board, talk to a uh, community group leader, uh, something like that and say, yeah, I want to do this, but I don't quite know how. I don't know what to do. How do I, how do I manage my finances? I, I kind of stretched as it is. I don't know what, what's the next step to be able to do this? Because it is a, like anything with finances, it's a skill you have to learn. You have to kind of get better at it. And then, and then two, I would look at my finances and evaluate what I value. How am I spending my time? I, I am, uh, at one point I was very convicted that I was spending more money buying coffee. It's because the cost of coffee went up, let's just be honest. So it wasn't just me drinking more coffee, it was the cost of coffee. Yet, if I can make coffee at home, I would save a whole lot and how much more I could be generous. And so, look, if that means making a change in the way I was doing things, it would be worthwhile. 
What that will look like for you, I don't know. That's kind of up to you to, to take that time and to evaluate. And then notice the third blank there. The third point is blank. And that's for you to fill in. This is what I got. This is what I need to do. This is my next step. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you have been gracious to us in so many ways. And even though at times we don't quite understand how we have been given, how maybe rich we are, that may not be a word we use to describe ourselves, but, but in reality it's true. Father, because you have been so gracious to us, help us to understand how we are to be good stewards of your blessings, that we would manage our time, we would manage the resources you have given us, those financial resources and others. Father, that we would put those into practice to serve, to understand that just as you gave your son to die on the cross for us sacrificially, we would understand that at times we're asked to be sacrificial as well, and that it costs, that it might cost time, it might cost financially. But Father, understanding the investment we make is not just an investment that we would immediately see that we are to make an investment in what really matters into your kingdom. Father, we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.